Lord, we thank you for this day and what you have done for us. We thank you for dying on the cross to save us from our sins. We thank you that you are a God who is holy and just and merciful and forgiving and that you have provided a way. And we pray that as we look at Jesus, our great high priest today, that you will remind us of everything he did to become that high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read this passage. It's actually Hebrews 4, 4 verse 14 through 5, verse 10. <clears throat> and it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was, has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. <coughs> he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weaknesses. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins. As for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. Alva, can you cut Mary's mic? So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become high priest, but who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Also, he was a son. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a priest according to the order of Melchizedek.
Last week, we looked at the believer's rest and how faith is a key to entering that rest. We also saw how faith and obedience are tied together. If the believer has faith, the believer will walk in obedience. And that as James said, works are the outward manifestation of the genuineness of the believer's faith. Here the preacher expands on this, as we will see throughout the rest of Hebrews. Jesus is our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And it's a central theme. Jesus as our high priest actually is going to run for a considerable amount of the rest of the book of Hebrews. Again, we see that the preacher is still giving exhortation. Verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. First, we see the reason we should hold fast to our confession. Jesus is our great high priest. And I'm using that term, and you'll hear it a lot, because it's an important phrase. He is not our high priest, or even our chief high priest. The word for great here is actually the Greek word we get mega from. Today this word is used so often it's almost lost its meaning. I saw a picture the other day of a convenience store drink which was labeled Super Mega Triple Gulp. Never guess what store that came from. Anyway, just to get a glimpse of an understanding of great in the context of our great high priest, think of atomic bombs which are measured in megatons of dynamite. And that's just a tiny glimpse of the idea of mega here. Jesus, as our great high priest, is supreme. There is no one that would even begin to come close to the magnitude of his greatness. It is a greatness that is unfathomable. We cannot even begin to comprehend. So, since we have this great high priest who passed through the heavens, remember in chapters 1 and 2, we saw that the Father raised him up and invited him to sit at his own right hand. When I picture this, the Holy Son of God, the Supreme High Priest, I feel inspired to fear and trembling. I think I would feel just like John in Revelation 1.17 when he said, quote, When I saw him, 
I fell at his feet like a dead man. End quote. But that is not what the preacher wants to inspire here. Because he continues in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. When we hear about Jesus being tempted, we think about his experience in the desert. But that really was just Satan's opening salvo. For the rest of Jesus' ministry, <clears throat> Satan was pushing and prodding and tempting and testing. He was doing it in many different ways, trying to figure out how to get Jesus to sin. Because if he could get Jesus to sin, he would have destroyed him. He would have destroyed his work. One such instance could have been when Jesus was in the synagogue in Mark 3, 3 through 5. It says, He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And they're just watching to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. This would have been a perfect opportunity to give in to the temptation to smite them. After all, they deserved it. And they genuinely did deserve it. Instead, Jesus was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And then he showed them the right way by doing the compassionate thing and healing the man with a withered hand. Throughout Jesus' ministry, Satan was poking and prodding and trying to find any trap he could use to tempt Jesus. That's why it says he was tempted in all points. Everything he did, Satan was using as a test. Every time he was doing something, Satan was there trying to make him fall. Hebrews 4.16, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The key to holding fast to our profession is drawing near.
This is crucial to our walk. The natural thing is to be afraid when we do something wrong. We want to run away and hide. Isn't that what Adam did in the garden? Ran away and he hid. But he wants to show us mercy. He wants to forgive. Paul reminds us in Romans 8.15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We should have a healthy reverence because He is the Holy Son of God. The Lord wants us to remember that we can be confident in His love for us. That we can approach Him any time with any need and cry out, Abba, Father. Hebrews 5 continues by comparing the high priests after Aaron with Jesus as our great high priest. <clears throat> Hebrews 5, 1 and 2, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer up both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently <clears throat> with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weaknesses. First we see that the office of high priest has to do with representing us to God. Remember, the prophet was God's spokesman to us. He spoke to us about what God wanted for us to hear. The priest in general, and the high priest in particular, provided a way for us to approach God and seek forgiveness for our sins. The high priest was only able to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And this was to offer an a, a sacrifice for all of Israel. Notice that the high priest taken from among men is able to deal gently because he is beset with his own weaknesses. This is not so with Jesus. He had no weakness. But he does understand the pressure we go through because he walked the walk. The Lord is not someone way up high in heaven, divorced from our experiences. He came down, and he breathed the same air we breathe. He became tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. Remember the woman at the well? He asked her for a drink of water. 
Why? Because he was thirsty. He learned a trade as a carpenter's son. He experienced humanity to its fullest extent. All this he did without sin. Hebrews 5, 3 and 4 continues about the high priest taken from among men. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sin as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. We see the high priest taken from among men didn't just offer sacrifices for his people. He had to offer sacrifices for himself also. That's because he was a sinner just like everyone else. There are two things that are required for somebody to be a high priest. First, he must be taken from among men. And Hebrews 2 deals extensively with the fact that Jesus became a man, fully human, so he could become our high priest. And again, Jesus, when he died for our sins, didn't have to pay for his sin because he didn't do it. Second, he must be appointed by God. In Hebrews 5, 5 and 6, we see Jesus was appointed by God. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. After the order of Melchizedek is taken from a prophecy in Psalm 110, verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This was a prophecy. Melchizedek was actually a type of Christ, a picture of Christ. And it's rather interesting to note that the passage in Genesis that deals with Melchizedek in his entire existence is exactly four verses long. Think of that, four verses to deal with Melchizedek as a high priest and as a picture of Christ in his ministry as high priest. I wanted to read the passage. Genesis 14, 17 through 20, four verses. Then after his return from the defeat at Cheddar Laomer, that's when Lot was captured by the, by the king. 
and the kings who were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is, the, va- the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. So Abraham here gives him a tenth of the spoils of the battle. He's the king of Salem, or the king of peace. He's a priest. We don't see who his lineage is. We don't see whose descendants are. That's how we see that he is this priest that exists, if you will, forever. We don't see where he began or where he ends. And that's how it's done this way as a picture of Christ. And then David pulls this passage out and says, about the Messiah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, we see four verses in Genesis to deal entirely with the existence of this person. And yet in Hebrews, between 5.6 and 7.17, Melchizedek is mentioned eight times. Eight times, think about it we have actually two mentions in the Old Testament. And then in three chapters, he's mentioned eight times. The preacher thought that this was a very important issue to deal with. So it's important for us to understand that Jesus as our high priest, our great high priest, is a very important topic for us to get our heads wrapped around. And he's going to deal again as we go through into the next couple of chapters. And we're going to see more about Melchizedek as, our, our, as Jesus, as a priest, our high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. But here in this passage we see He is compassionate and loving so we can approach him. We also see he has given us access to approach him in the Holy of Holies anytime we need. This is access we have right now that even the high priest of the Old Testament never had. High priest couldn't go into the Holy of Holies anytime he wanted. There was a specific sacrifice once a year. And that was the only time he could go in. In verses 7 through 10, we also see that the Father appointed him as our great high priest because of what he did on the cross. 
verse 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that phrase being made perfect here, it's talking about being made complete. And that being made complete was when he died on the cross. Now it says here in verse 7, he talks about his prayer. I believe this is in reference to his prayer at Gethsemane. I wanted to read it from Luke 22, 39 to 44, just so we can see what his prayer was. And he came out and he proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And he, his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. He was in torment just as he was praying. So much so that an angel had to strengthen him. So the Lord prays to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. So that means Jesus didn't die on the cross, right? No. He died. But he did not stay dead. That's how God delivered him. God raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand, and appointed him as our great high priest. This is a key difference between Christ as our great high priest and the high priests taken from among men. When was Jesus appointed high priest? He was appointed after he performed the sacrifice. After he died on the cross. After the Father raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand, he appointed him to be our great high priest. The high priests of the Old Testament were here for a short time. They were sent here on this earth. Jesus, on the other hand, is our eternal high priest. 
because he is now and will forever be our great high priest. This is why we can claim to be his children. This is why we have eternal life. This is why we have access to the Holy of Holies, where we can come and ask for mercy and grace. Remember, mercy. We do not get what we deserve. Grace. We get what we do not deserve. This is why we do not need to be afraid. This is Father's Day. And one of the things it talks about is the fact that we can cry, Abba, Father. We can approach Him. We are His children. And I was listening to something today talking about how we should, we should resemble our Father in heaven. So as we go out, I would like us to think about the question, when I live my life, do I look like Christ? Do I resemble Him in my walk? So let's celebrate Father's Day by giving thanks to our Father. All of us have the same Father. And I think it's appropriate that we make a special effort to be like Him and to look like Him and to imitate Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we will not receive what we do deserve. But that which we don't deserve, eternal life, you have given to us. We pray that you'll remind us of this. We pray that you'll help us each and every day to seek to resemble you and to look like you. And remind us that that also requires that we learn who you are so that we spend time with you in your word and in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.